KYW Original Podcasts. For more stories about the coronavirus pandemic in Philadelphia, subscribe to KYW In Depth on the Radio.com app or wherever you listen to podcasts. The coronavirus pandemic from KYW In Depth. One of the riskiest jobs right now is being done by the people who respond to 911 calls. EMTs and first responders are spending their days and nights going to houses and providing medical care or taking sick people to the hospital. So what kind of toll does doing that job take on you during a pandemic? And how do you do a job that's already very difficult when you're not sure how long your supplies are going to last? Jim Melwer covers the suburbs for KYW News Radio. He called up the deputy chief of the Community Ambulance Association of Ambler to ask her about the challenges of doing the job during the coronavirus pandemic. Her name is Jennifer Green, and here's that conversation. So I guess just kind of start off just a general question, kind of, what are you dealing with? Just tell me kind of what, what it's like for you guys right now. Well, our, our call volume really hasn't changed drastically. It's just the type of calls that we're seeing, um, you know, more of the fever, respiratory. Everybody's kind of, if they have a cough, it's automatically assuming that they have the virus and everybody wants to get checked. We are having some legitimate um, people that have ended up positive and, and some people that have been pretty sick. Uh, but, you know, we're not inundated with hundreds of more calls a day or anything, not like what New York is seeing at the moment. Um, it's just, you know, some of these people are, are really sick. And, and with that in mind of the, you know, the variations of the calls and the concerns, how challenging is it for you? I mean, I guess... Obviously, you have to take every call as though, you know, you have to suit up and be ready for it to be a legit COVID-19, right? Well, that's it. Um, Whereas before, if you get dispatched to a normal respiratory call, shortness of breath, low pulse ox, you know, we would go in, assess the patient, see where we're at with that. Um, And now anything that comes through as a respiratory or low pulse ox or fever we're putting the mask on, the goggles on. Obviously, we have gloves on for every call. But now it's like, well, how sick are they? We have to mask them right away. You know, is this a, is this related to the virus? Is this their underlying condition? Do they have an underlying condition? And um, there's so many unknowns right now because of the virus exhibiting these signs that some people with, with true respiratory conditions also exhibit on a regular basis. So you have to try and make that determination pretty quickly, but you want to go in to the call prepared instead of being caught unprepared and having to, you know, work backwards from there. So we're, you know, we're taking precautions before we even get in the door and then we're masking our patients as that secondary precaution until, you know, even though, even when we find out it may not even be related, we're still masked, the patient's still masked. We're still using precautions because there are patients that are not showing any signs or symptoms, which have then later turned up to be positive for the virus. And everybody's like, but how did that happen? So, so you really just don't know. Yeah, and we've heard a couple of those. And, and you know, I won't say specifically, but we've heard where, where people went in for something else. And two days later, three days later, they find out that person tested positive and now everyone on that team is, is, is quarantined. So, so clearly, I mean, there's so many reasons, obviously, you know, the paramount reason is, is, is your, your health and, and your crew's health. 
but uh, you know, I, I guess that's one of the challenges. With with that in mind, your typical equipment and and how you would normally be stocked and how you would normally go through that stock, how is this affecting that? Uh, normally, we we are required to have so much personal protective equipment on the ambulances for our licensure aspect. We have N95 masks on there every day. We have um, infection control kits, which contain a gown or a Tyvek suit. We wear gloves on every call, regardless of the nature, on a regular basis. Um, we do have goggles and safety glasses, at least a set per provider on the truck. So it's usually two sets of safety glasses, two sets of goggles. And that's every day. That's what we we have to have at minimum for our licensure. Um, and now uh, all of my providers, thanks to a, a great, huge donation um, by a private company and a donation from the county, uh, we do have a pair of goggles for every provider um, on my staff. So they, they have their own pair. Um, we have uh, N95 masks is what we're wearing um, on our patient encounters. And, you know, we've just recently had to say to our staff, we are blowing through our supply. We need to consider one mask per shift. And here's your paper bag to keep it in between calls because, you know, rightfully so, my staff is, is concerned for their safety as well as I'm concerned for their safety. And, you know, they're using a new mask with every patient, which would normally be the procedure. We just don't have enough or we're running out. We're seeing too many patients um, because they're masking for every call, whereas we wouldn't normally do that in the past. Um, So gowns, uh, I know the, the Montgomery County medical director has made the suggestion that on all cardiac arrest type calls, you wear full protective equipment, which is the goggles, masks, gloves, gowns, because you don't know what type of illness this patient may have had or why they are now in the condition they're in. Um, and we've had an, an uprise of that type of call within the last week. So we are blowing through our stock of gowns at a, at a rate we've never seen before. Um, just because, you know, with the cardiac arrest type call where we're gowning, you know, the crew members. And then if we have a very sick patient who is exhibiting all the signs and symptoms, you know, my crew wants to take precautions there as well. And they may be using a gown if they have to uh, move this patient or do any invasive procedures with this patient. Is is there, and I've heard people mention um, guidelines for, for during a pandemic. Are, are are there different kind of, I don't want to say rules, but different, I guess, procedures is the, the, the best word. Are there different procedures to follow under something like this, or is it kind of you're just doing what you have to do to get by right now? I'm not sure anybody is really prepared for a pandemic. I know a majority of the providers that work for our organization are young and fairly new to this field. I'm not sure any of them ever thought about anything like this. I think we're all really learning as we go. Uh, You know, I would never have thought that I have to tell my staff, you get one mask for your shift, make it work. You know, um, that's not something that we we think that we're going to ever have to do. 
so I think it's really something that we're we're just kind of learning as we go and and you know we're doing a, a full count of what PPE we have on hand every shift so I can see where we're at and where our needs are um, you know I'm in close contact with our medical director for our squad and you know trying to do what's best for our providers to be able to provide the care that we need to provide to the patient. And how challenging is this when you don't know? I mean, we don't know what we don't know, right? Like last uh, yesterday, uh, Commissioner Arcos said they expected that they're two weeks from the peak, uh, but nobody knows what that peak's going to be. So how hard is it for you to plan when you you have really, you know, just a, a, a small concept of what you might be planning for? You know what I mean? Like, we haven't seen the peak yet and we're already blowing through supplies. So how do you kind of plan or how challenging, how much more challenging is it for you to plan based on that? It's very challenging. Um, I need to, the reason we're doing a PPE count every day is because we're trying to plan uh, for at least the next month. Um, you know, the governor had said we'd like to do the stay at home order in place until the end of April. We're trying to plan our PPE supplies at least through the end of April to see where we're at, what our needs are. I have 10 providers per day that require gloves and masks. And there are, you know, I can't ever say how many patients per day we're going to see, but they require a mask. Um, then there's the gowns if we need them. And, you know, we're trying to plan that out a month ahead. So, you know, 10 masks per day for the next 30 days. And, and that's what we need. At least that's what we think we need because we don't know. You know, we're just trying to look at the picture the best we can and, and hope that this doesn't take that long and, and hope that we don't need to go further. And, and this is kind of a, a difficult question, I guess. But, but is there any kind of, as far as the, the protective equipment goes, is there any kind of you know, glimmer of hope? Are you seeing, you know, maybe production ramp up or hearing that, yeah, it's coming, we just need to, to get it here? Or is it kind of still, this is just, you know, everybody's everybody's just trying to get what they can get and, and just kind of go that way? Unfortunately, I, I think it's kind of everybody's trying to get what they can get. Um, I, I think we're, we're all kind of waiting on orders that we had placed that are still back ordered. I know we have we have a ton of orders that are back ordered. Um, you know, like I had said previously, we had a, a generous donation of uh, goggles, safety glasses from a private business, and then the county did give us safety glasses and um, goggles and some gowns and some masks. And we had a, a private business drop off, you know, two boxes of masks that we can use for patients yesterday. Um, it, it's really just, I think it's a, a waiting game to see what we can get, where we can get it from. And, you know, you, you watch the news or you're on Facebook and people are making masks or there's companies donating because they're not working. Um, that is wonderful. And, and more people should do that because the hospitals are hurting and all the squads are hurting. Um, I, I honestly don't know one ambulance that, that, you know, can turn around and say, we have absolutely everything we need because they don't, because you don't know if you have everything you need. You don't know what tomorrow is going to be like. You don't know what next month is going to be like. Um, you know, we can only hope that some of these 
companies get their production numbers up and they start shipping these back orders, and that would help greatly, but you don't know. So I, I guess, you know, if you have it to donate, that's fabulous. Donate it, please. Everybody needs it. That's kind of the mess I was going to ask you. You know, what, what's the message you want to get out? We talked, you know, before I hit record of the, the idea here isn't here isn't to, you know, try to throw anybody under the bus or make anyone, you know, look bad. But, you know, what what is the message you want people to understand? We are here trying to do a job to help you. Um, you know, one of the things I would stress is please just stay home. That that makes our job easier. Um, stay home, wash your hands. And, you know, if for those that have to call 911 for the, the patients that we need to see and we need to take care of, um, if you or a family or a business that you know have supplies that you can donate, please donate them to your local ambulance or your hospital in the neighborhood or, or what have you. Um, like I said, the, the county has given us supplies, as I know they have given the other ambulance squad supplies, but nobody can truly say, is it enough? Is there more coming? We don't know. Um, we can request, but we don't know if they have it to give at this moment. So, you know, for the, the people out there listening, just stay home, be safe with your families. If we need to take care of you as a patient, we will do that. Um, you know, for those that can donate, please donate. And hopefully we'll just all get through this together. That was great. Before I hit stop, anything you want to add or anything that I didn't ask that I should have? Uh, no, I, I think that's it. Um, you know, it's just we don't know what to expect. You know, some people say the next two weeks are going to be the worst. Some people say we are looking at months um, before this is over. And we just we don't know. That's it for this episode of KYW In-Depth Coronavirus. If you want to listen to more stories about the coronavirus pandemic here in the Philadelphia area, or if you just want to know how the news that you see on TV or hear on the radio will affect you personally, then subscribe to the KYW In-Depth podcast. Just search for KYW In-Depth on the Radio.com app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. I'm Tom Rickard, and we'll have another episode out soon. 